0: And I want to encourage all of you that are here tonight to turn in your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 1. First 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, we're going to continue tonight studying the Word of God in reference to stepping it up to another level of influence or leadership in our life. Everybody say step it up. That's what we're talking about here as we begin our new year our new uh, the, the really a new year as far as the church goes we we uh uh celebrated our anniversary a couple of Sundays ago we're 20 years old we're a young church uh we're there you know that's relatively young we're just we're just coming out of our teen years uh and so we're growing up a little bit uh and it's time to step it up how many of you know when you're Kids grow up and they graduate high school and get out of college. It's time for them to step it up. It really is, and that's really where we are as a church family. Uh, and so, with that in mind, let's pray together and let's ask the Lord to speak to us uh, as we study the Word of God together. Lord, tonight we thank you for the Word of the Lord that is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. As we as we open up the Word tonight, as we share the Word, let it make a Big difference in our life and empower us, encourage us, uh, inspire us, Lord, to step it up in our walk with you in Jesus' name. Amen. To step it up, we came up with this definition, kind of a group effort a few weeks ago. Uh, it's to advance, to increase the intensity of something, to rise to the challenge, to lift to another level. And and those are all kind of different kind of thoughts, uh, uh that are all wrapped up, if you will, in these two letters that Paul wrote to Timothy. Uh, and uh, they're, they're step it up letters, if you will, uh, and and they're letters of encouragement. They're not they're not rough. They're not mean. They're not uh, you know uh, uh, tough nosed or tough. You know you know you better step it up, Tim, or we're gonna you know get the belt after you or something like that. It, it's it's out of love. And so uh, because Timothy is his son in the faith to advance, to increase the intensity of something, to rise to the challenge, to lift to another level. And that's what God's calling us to do at, on a personal level and as a church family. Now, as we began looking at Paul and Timothy last week, uh, we just really looked at their relationship and here was last week's step it up insight that we, we took and, and gleaned from really the, the first two verses, though we looked in a lot of places. And it is this, as leaders, that is people of kingdom influence, that's us. It's time to step it up with our investment and involvement with those who God has placed into our lives. How many of you know there are people God's placed in our lives that minister to us, right? How many of you know there are people in our lives that God has called us to minister to them, and we are people of influence? In fact, it's interesting in the relationship with Paul and Timothy, Paul is, is stepping it up, if you will, by writing these letters to Timothy, his son, really stepping, up, stepping it up as a father figure in his life, and just really, he's pretty stout with him in love with some areas. In fact, as we'll see tonight in a few minutes, he commands him in some things. How many of you as parents, sometimes you look at your teenagers, hey, uh, this is not a suggestion. This is a command, right? We're not, we're not praying over this. We're not, this is not a suggestion. This is a command. And we'll see that Paul was pretty stout with Timothy in some areas and he commanded him in some things. And so Paul was stepping it up in his relationship with Timothy, but we find that Timothy, uh, had the responsibility to step it up uh, in his response to those over him, and listen to and respond to the, declar- the declarations and the insights and instructions of his father in the faith, Timothy. So all of us on some level are people of influence and all of us on hopefully many levels are people who are being influenced in a positive manner by spiritual uh, emphasis or uh, spiritual people in our life, uh, whether it's me or friends or family, who, who make a difference in your life. And so it's so very important. Relational connection and strength is, is a huge uh, area in the church and in our world where we need to step it up. It's the key to I believe evangelistic success. Uh, we see Paul and Timothy together, they made a huge difference in the world because of their close bond and knit relationship with one another. So that was last uh last Wednesday night. Tonight we're gonna start in First Timothy chapter one, verse 18, and we're gonna read down through First uh, Timothy two, down to about verse nine or ten, verse really verse eight. And here it is. So you follow along with me, and then I'll tell you what what our what tonight. Step it up. Insight is from Paul and Timothy, uh, and these letters of that are really step it up letters. Here, he, and in fact, this is this is this is where he begins with his command. This charge that means command. I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you that by them you may wage the good warfare. Everyone say the good warfare. Having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith and have suffered shipwreck of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. Let me just stop and say, I don't know how he did that. I've never done that that I know of, delivered someone uh, to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. But how many of you know you got to really have some confidence in your spiritual leadership to have discernment and know when it's time to just wash your hands of somebody and say, okay, devil, uh, you can have them, do whatever you want with them. Uh, uh, and, and, my prayer over them to God is that they learn not to blaspheme. Woo, that's everybody said, that's stout stuff right there. That is stout stuff. And so he's telling Timothy, listen, uh, there are those who haven't stepped it up. In fact, they've not only not stepped it up, they've stepped away from the faith. And then he goes on in chapter 2. Therefore, everybody say, therefore. Now, as you know, what I say and what is really a good biblical insight about reading the Scriptures, when you see a therefore, what do you do? You look to see what the therefore is there for. Thank you. Because when he says therefore, he's talking about something he just talked about. And so we'll do that in just a moment. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. Somebody say amen to be testified in due time, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle. I'm speaking the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles, in faith and truth. I desire, therefore, that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And everyone said, Amen. Here's the here's tonight's step it up insight from these verses right here. Because I, even though there's a sec, there's a chap, we ended chapter one and we started chapter two. How many of you know when Paul wrote these letters, he didn't put chapters. You understand there's, and so the therefore, I guess that's just a good place to put a chapter. I don't know exactly how that all panned out, but it, it doesn't mean he's changing thoughts. Uh, at all so don't get that uh, in your thinking when you're reading through scriptures uh, just because there's a chapter doesn't mean he's changing thoughts and, and and chapters don't all stand alone they're all linked together so here here's tonight's uh, step it up inside as leaders we must step it up to another level of what spiritual warfare everyone say spiritual warfare that's what Paul says right here that this I, this charge i commit to you this command this this fatherly command this directive to you son timothy according to the prophecies or the pr- prophetic word previously i'm going to kind of elaborate spoken over you because of that and 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 uh uh and by way of those pro- that prophetic word over you your life You wage the good warfare, so he's commanding him to engage the enemy. He's command. Come on, let me just say, he's commanding him to engage the enemy. He. he, And you know what? We. You might get nervous about spiritual warfare. Paul called it the good warfare. I want to say the good warfare. Now, anybody ever, I mean, I got some ladies, I don't know if y'all have ever had a bona fide fight where you, t- you hit each other or somebody, I don't know. Uh, I mean, all us guys probably want to admit to the fact that we've hit a few folks and been hit by a few people. I mean, I've not had many fights, but there's, there's not many on my list that I call good, all right? Now, if you had a fight and got the tar beat out of you, I don't see anybody stepping up after that going, ooh, that was, good. That was great. Man, that was, a, that was the good, war. man, what a good fight that was. I got the tar beat out of me. So, so the inference here is Paul's saying to Timothy, engage yourself in spiritual warfare to the point, this is Pastor Sam's elaborative thought here, to the point that you step into a new level of victory. How many of you know if you fight, you win? Now, and so that's the thought that all of us need to embrace tonight. As people of influence, as God's people, we need to step it up with spiritual warfare. And, and you know what? I knew this, but then as I was studying through some things, I got convicted in some areas, and I'll show them to you in a moment. And, uh, and, and I realized that, hey, tonight, God was calling me to step it up. And, and it's really a theme. If you look in 1 Timothy 6, verse 12, he, said, he tells him, what does he say? Fight the, the good fight. In other words, if you fight, You're going to win. If you'll, if you'll engage the enemy the way you need to engage the enemy, it's going to be good. You're going to be victorious. And then when he comes to the close of his life in 2 Timothy 4 7, when he's getting, you know, when the, when the days are numbered, as he realized, he said, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering before the Lord. He said, let me tell you what, what I did. I fought the good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. And now there's laid up for me a crown of rejoicing. In other words, hey, look, I've I've fought the, the fight, I've kept the faith, I've finished the course, and guess what, I, I win. I'm winning the prize. There's laid up for me a crown. And so he's encouraging Timothy to realize that in this life, uh, as leaders and people of influence, we have a responsibility to step it up and be spiritually engaged with the enemies of God and be victorious uh, in them. Now, let me show you something. Let me show you this thought here. It, he, called, he says in verse 18, the good warfare. And then 1 Timothy six twelve, fight the good fight. Second Timothy 4, 7, I fought the good fight. He's not saying a good fight. He's not suggesting that... Spiritual warfare is a random or sporadic spiritual skirmish in the heavenlies. He's not saying you better be ready because every once in a while you're going to have to step it up in spiritual warfare. He's talking about life. He's talking about our whole life in the, in the context that the life we live we need to be constantly engaged in spiritual battle. That it is a way of life. And when he comes to the close of his life, he pretty much, and you know the history of his life, when he comes to the close of his life, he says, listen, I finished my race, and it was a fight. It was all, it was all a fight. It's a spiritual warfare going on. And so much so that in 2 Timothy 2, one through four, you can look at it later. Uh, he's talking to him and he says, Timothy, just as I influenced your life, you go find other people and influence their life and 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 realize it's a war going on out there, and you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He defines the responsibility uh, and, and the 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 what do, you, what do you call it when you got a job? The job description, there you go. He kind of defines Paul, pardon me, Timothy's new job description as one of soldier. He said this influence of leadership that I've given you, that, you, that you've been graced with, that that was imparted to you by the power of the Holy Spirit and the laying on of the hands of the elders. He said, listen, you need to understand, you, you've got to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So here's the bigger thought about that thought that uh, we need to step it up to another level of spiritual warfare. Let me just say, it's all spiritual warfare. And, the, and we need to live a life That would lead us to the place of victory when it comes to the spiritual conflicts that we are always and constantly involved and engaged with. Paul talked to the Ephesians. He preached to the Ephesians and he talked to them in in chapter six about put on the whole armor of God. He said, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And and he's encouraging the church in, in Ephesus to realize that, hey, the life we live, this journey that we're on, it's a spiritual battle. And we must be engaged with the enemy. In fact, if you... if if we had time, we could go to Ephesians. He said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. In other words, listen carefully. Some of the last words I want to tell you, you better understand there's a spiritual battle going on out there. And you've got to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You've got to be engaged with your enemy. You can't be unprepared. You can't be half cocked. You can't be disengaged. Uh, it's time to step it up when it comes to spiritual warfare. Are you with me? Say amen. And it's a way of life. It's the way we ought to live our life. And that right there convicted me today. Because as I looked at my life, I thought, I don't think I'm living life like that. I think I'm assuming too many things about my future. I think I'm assuming too much about where I am with Christ. I think I'm assuming too much about my position with Christ. Hey, I'm assuming that God's just gonna cause it all to work out just because he loves me Uh, and, and maybe have disengaged myself unwittingly when it comes to waging the good warfare. Let's stop and pause on that a minute. And realize maybe we've misinterpreted our job description. He said, you're my son in the faith, Timothy, but let me tell you who you are. You're a soldier in God's army. And I need you to step it up when it comes to spiritual warfare. In fact, I command you. This charge I commit, this command I commit to you. i it, it's like almost like an official command, you know, the marching orders, if you will. I got my, I got my papers. I got my marching orders. I got my assignment. This is my assignment. Paul, uh, you know, and so it really after Paul gets through some of the, you know, the, 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 Initial welcome and this initial, uh, you know, kind of setting the stage for Timothy and his his ministry in Ephesus. Then he says, "Let me tell you something; it's a battle out there, and you got to step it up." Interesting to me, Paul's telling Timothy this while he's in Ephesus, and then you go back to the Book of Ephesus or Ephesians, and he's telling them it's a spiritual battle out there, and so uh, so you get the, the theme to this community or this city or this church from both angles and from different perspectives. So with that in mind tonight, I'm going to just, from these verses that I read to you, I'm going to give you some warfare wisdom for leaders, kind of things you can do to plan and position yourselves as spiritual uh, warriors and soldiers rather than just, uh, you know, <laughs> believers who are just kind of tiptoeing through the tulips hoping not to stir up the hornet's nest. You know, you think about, you, you think about it a lot of times. We, we live life trying not to stir up controversy. Paul comes to Timothy and says, listen, you're in the middle of it, my friend. You better step it up. This is a battle. This is a warfare going on out here. There's spiritual forces of wickedness all around us. And so let me give you four thoughts tonight, four warfare wisdom, some warfare wisdom for leaders. The first one is this. In order to position yourself and reprioritize your life and, 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 and plan and structure your world with a greater understanding of spiritual warfare, we need to step it up, if you will, in our submission to the authority and the governance of God in our life. Now, this is an important truth that you need to catch when it comes to spiritual authority and, and, and spiritual warfare. You see, I showed you in verse 18 where where, where Paul the apostle, the spiritual authority over, over Timothy, his son in the faith, is, is issuing a command, this charge, it's a command. That you engage the spiritual enemies around you. In other words, your commander in a sense, though I'm your father, I'm also your spiritual authority, has issued a command, not a suggestion, not a hopeful prayer, but a command. And Timothy has a responsibility to listen to that and hear that and and respond to that obediently. How many of you know every good soldier is a submitted soldier? Submitted to the voice of the commander, submitted to the instructions and the guidance, and you know you've seen this over and over through through history in the ages. When uh, you know, I don't know if you you know, gosh, what what's the movie that was World War One where they stormed the be- Pearl Harbor? I uh, know uh, uh, not Pearl Harbor. Oh, oh gosh, Tom, pardon, say it again. Yeah, in the beaches of Normandy, these these soldiers knew most of them. When the when the doors went down on those landing crafts, that they were going to lose their life, but they were they were submitted to the instruction and guidance. Uh, Tom Hanks, what's the movie? Come on, somebody help me. Pardon me, Saving Private Ryan. Whew, that movie traumatized me. Uh, anybody see that movie? Did it traumatize you? It traumatized me because it was so real. And it made me see, uh, man, these guys, they knew that they, they were going to lose their, they, but they, they were under the governance of a higher authority. And that's what we see right here coming into play. And it's a huge, vitally important and necessary element of spiritual victory, our submission to the authorities of God in our life. I want to lay this foundation for you. Take a right, go to James, just a couple of a books over. Go to Hebrews and then James. I want you to see this thought with me, that s- submission and spiritual uh, uh, warfare. Verse 7, Uh let's do verse 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, everybody say therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will what? Flee from you. See the principle? See the principle of submission and spiritual warfare? How just submission to the authority of God gives you power to resist the devil. How many of you know a lack of submission to the authority of God reveals a rebellious nature to authority? And where did rebellion first rear its ugly head before it ever hit uh, uh, earth's uh, shining seas? Was in the heavenlies when Satan himself rebelled against the authority of God in his life. And he fell like lightning to the earth. And he's the first rebel. He's the first sinner, if you will. The first transgressor uh, uh, in, in history that we know of before Adam and Eve. And, and rebellion, the Bible says, is as the sin of witchcraft. In other words, rebellion is devil personality and, 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 and the influence of s- Satan in our life. And so it's impossible, let me just say it's impossible to be victorious over the devil when when you've got his nature of rebellion coursing through your veins. Let me say this better. I was a little... Rebellion, spiritual victory over the devil is impossible... When we, I'm going to put me in there because I was pointing at you a little bit. When we have rebellion in our hearts, which is the language and mindset and attitude of the enemy in our life, it's impossible to be victorious over him when you're, when you've got his attitude and, 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 and personality coursing, or we have it coursing through our veins. How many of you get that picture? So therefore, you see, James, he said, let me tell you how you get, you deal with this issue when it comes to the devil. You gotta first submit to God. You gotta be submitted to God. And then you can resist the devil. If you're not submitted to God, if you're not under the authority of God, there's no sense in trying to, to be victorious over him. You're gonna lose every time. You catch it? Now, let me show it to you in the next, in the next book, 1 Peter. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5. This is key. Submission to authority and the governance of God. We've got to engage this. This is warfare wisdom for leaders and really for all. Let me just give you the bigger context here. Chapter 5, verse 1. The elders who are among you, I exhort. I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ... Am also and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. He's telling these elders, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. He's ministering to the spiritual authorities in the church, not as being lords over those, who, uh, those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, in other words, when your authority appears, because... Because even though people, let me just, let me elaborate. Even though you're a leader and an authority over people, you're still under authority. How many of you know it's impossible to be an authority if you're not under authority? Are you with me? And that's what he says here. When the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Now, now here we go. He's not shifting gears here. He's building upon premise and truth. He's talking about spiritual authority and spiritual responsibility as leaders. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Here's that James kind of thought that, that James talked about. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that's submission to authority, that he may exalt you in due time. In other words, hey, what's he telling these younger guys? Submit to your elders on earth and submit to God in heaven. Okay? Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And he's not shifting gears, he's building on premise and truth. Therefore, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. There it is again, my friend, that, that victory over the devil and the capacity to resist the influence of the evil is direct linked and undeniably linked to our capacity and the responsibility we have to be submitted to the authorities of God in our life. Woo! everybody go, Woo! Submission to authority is undeniably linked to our spiritual victory. Our lack of submission to the authority is undeniably linked to our lack of spiritual victory. And if we just played a little game with that equation, if we're lacking spiritual victory, we might want to back up and look around and see where maybe uh, that we are lacking when it comes to our submission to the authority of God in our life. Are we really humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God? Are we really submitting ourselves to our elders and being submiss- submissive to one another and being clothed with humility and so it's a it's a good check and balance system for us to look at. Where are we when it comes to spiritual victory in our life? Is the devil beating us up? Are we always under, under the influence of, 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 of rebellion in our life? Listen, submission to authority and the governance of God is key ingredient to consistent spiritual victory over the devil. That's some serious warfare wisdom for leaders. You can't be rebellious and be victorious. Everyone look at somebody and say, you can't be rebellious and be victorious. You really can't. We've got to be submitted. We've got to be humble before God. So, so that, in fact, let me just throw out a book to you. It's out, probably out of print. You could find one. It, it's by a guy named E. Everyone say E. It's called Spiritual Authority. If you want a stout dose of this truth right here, Expanded in book form, you go Google, get on Amazon, and find a copy of Spiritual Authority uh, by Watchman. It will. Let me just tell you, it will put the fear of God in you. It's a great book. Okay, maybe I need to dig it up. Uh, and then if you want, if you want a, a, a modern day version, uh, you can Google. Uh, oh, I see his face. Uh, this is just off the top of my head. It's not in my notes and I We actually studied this years ago. Uh, yeah, John Bevere. At, and what, what, what's the book? Undercover. There you go. Man, we got people who can remember things around here. I think I even got the series upstairs. It's probably VHS, which is old-timey, uh, but Undercover. Great book about this principle of submission to authority. In fact, I think, I think those things are just great things for us. If you would like a, if you would like some, some great depth of teaching, uh, concerning this, those are two great resources. So, submission to the authority and the governance of God is a great, is some great warfare wisdom for leaders. Number two, uh, uh, some more warfare wisdom for leaders is positioning ourselves in an attitude and atmosphere of confidence and faith in the will and the word of God. Positioning ourselves in an atmosphere, if you will, of confidence and faith in the will and the word of God. Look what he says here when he says, uh, oop, oh, I'm in Peter. Let me get back, uh, to first Timothy. Look what he says. He says, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you that by them you may wage the good warfare. Now, uh, we don't know exactly what he's referencing here, but you can pretty much read between the lines and really punch, come something more than a hypothesis. You can pretty much come to a conclusion that he's referencing a point in time when Timothy submitted to the governance of God and the leaders of, it, of the local church of which partly Paul was there... And they prayed over him, and they laid hands on him. Now, here's a reference to it in chapter 4, verse 14. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the elders. So what we see here is undoubtedly Paul the apostle and church leaders... Elders at some point ordained him to ministry and they laid hands on him and the prophetic word was spoken over him. The spiritual prophetic unction of God came upon them and that word became directive and destiny and purpose for Timothy. In other words, the thus saith the Lord in your life, we've got to gain some great confidence and faith in the purpose and plan of God for our life. Understanding and knowing why we're here on planet Earth and trusting in God's will and plan for our life. Now, what did we learn and what have we learned in the past? In fact, I gave you two, we were talking about vision here on a Sunday or a Wednesday and I said, uh, I want to give you two legendary Vision verses, and, and neither one of them seemed to be very legendary in anybody's mind because nobody knew what they were. But I hope they now are, and one of them is Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. What does it say? Without a vision, what happens? The people perish. That word vision means prophetic revelation. Without the prophetic word of the Lord on your life that sets the course of your life and puts you on track towards the purposes of God, without that, uh, really the expanded thought of that verse is you're going to be without direction, unrestrained, ungoverned, ungoverned, unguided, and thus, because of the fact that you're just wandering aimlessly through life, you will perish. And the reason you will perish, let me expand it in this context, is because you're just out wandering around you don't know where you are and the enemy will take advantage of you because you have no purpose and destiny now you're getting that thought in your head Paul tells Timothy you stay on course with the purpose of God over your life which was spoken over your life which you and I and all of us know is God's plan for your life the word and the will of God for your life And by that, you wage war. On the basis of that, you could say, is where you position yourself. Let me just give you an illustration. Here's Timothy out in life and the, he's battling the devil. He 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 his foundation is I'm in the will of God. I've got the prophetic anointing on my life. I'm doing the will of God. I'm under the authority of God. I'm uh, I've got marching orders from the authority on high. So hey, I'm in the right place at the right time doing the right thing and therefore the enemy has no authority. I'm not hey, I'm not under his governance. I'm on I'm walking Walking by a higher authority, and I'm in the will of God, and therefore, based upon that position, I stand firmly against the enemy, and I resist him. You get that thought? Confidence and faith in the will and the word of God over your life. Woo! Amen. He tells him in chapter four, verse fourteen, "Don't neglect this." That word, neglect means to be careless with or to make light of he said don't neglect this gift that was given to you now that could be a reference to the holy spirit but it also be a reference to what he referenced just a few you know a few verses back in chapter 1 verse 18 this gift this call this grace on your life don't neglect it don't make light of it It's the course. It's the path that I've I've, I've established for you. Amen. I'm going to put it on pause. You ready? I'm pausing it. Because I can't wait to get to Sunday to talk about Joshua stepping into the purpose of God for his life. Because, Because on Sunday we're looking at Joshua and Joshua 1 and and that stepping into a new level of leadership Joshua stepped into the purpose of God for his life this is what he was made for who and man there's a whole lot comes and in fact yeah, I I wish I had my notes from Sunday I'd share some of them with you when you step into God's purpose when you step up to the purpose of God for your life there there it's like when you when you arrive at that place where you embrace God's purpose and will for your life, it's like all the things start aligning. I don't know, you know, it's kind of like Indiana Jones when he gets it all right, everything click, clack, clunk, clunk, And the doors begin to open. But you saw the picture. Did that, was that good enough to give you the picture? And all of a sudden, ah, the secret code has been unlocked. And when you get that, things begin to unlock and make made manifest. That's Sunday. Okay, that was, I'm putting it off pause. Boop, here we go. So hopefully that'll get you ready for Sunday. And so when you do that, things began to, when you have faith in His Word and will over your life, what what does First John chapter 5 verse 4 say? This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So confidence and faith in the will and the Word of God over your life moves you into the place of victory. If you always have question marks and, and let me tell you something, the enemy always wants you to have a question mark about your life. He always wants you to be confused. He wants you to be, always wants you to be off, off, off cog a little bit and out of sync just a little bit. Well, maybe so, maybe not. Maybe this, maybe that. I don't know. Maybe so, maybe not. I don't know if I heard the Lord. I don't know if I really did. Uh, you know what? Uh, we, maybe we just need to, to, uh, to, to take you off on a retreat somewhere, uh, so you can advance. Just pray over, pray over one another and say, God, establish us in the purpose and plan of God for our life. Give us the prophetic anointing on our life to know this is the way I need to go and start going in it. Amen? Warfare wisdom for leaders. Here's another one. Embrace righteous living, which is really realized by righteous thinking. We know this, but I want to just show what Paul infers here to Timothy When he says this, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you wage the good warfare, having faith and a what? Having faith and a good what? Good and clear conscience. How many of you know that has a lot to do with how we think? you got to live your life in a way where you have a clear conscience. If you don't have a clear conscience, and a, if your thought life is clouded and polluted, you're going to have problems with your victory. And so it's so hugely important, Timothy, that this warfare that you wage is so fruitful and productive that you live a life that leads you down the road to a clear conscience. Now, here's the interesting thing. Uh, Living a life that leads you to a clear conscience requires you to begin to think right in order to live right so you can be right. And so it has a lot to do with the way we think. And gosh, there's a lot. In fact, let me say it this way. It's impossible to wage the good warfare out there if you don't first wage the good warfare up here. We'll say it again. It's impossible to wage the good warfare out there if you don't first wage the good warfare right here. The battle for your thoughts and the way you think. And in fact, they all intertwine with our capacity. To live a holy and a righteous life. Let me just show you some of the things Paul told Timothy in these letters. Look in 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, verse 11. Uh, He's talking about people of the world and money and the temptations of life uh, and and how to be uh, godly and content and not be all wrapped up with the things of this world. He says this, but you, old man, verse 11... Flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. And here's where the context is. Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. In other words, spiritual warfare is going to be impossible if you're not pursuing after the right kind of lifestyle, which is born by the right kind of living, The way we live, or the right kind of thinking. Pardon me. Uh, Look what. Go to Second Timothy. Let me. He just. This is the second letter. But notice the 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 similarity in chapter two, verse twenty. He says this. But uh, oh, verse twenty-one. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, speaking speaking things that are uh, that are dishonorable in our life. He will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Look what he says again to Timothy. Flee also youthful lust, but pursue after righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And so what's he saying? Man, you've got to be aggressive. You've got to be proactive uh, with this righteous lifestyle that is realized by righteous thinking. Amen. Philippians chapter 4. Look what Paul tells the Philippian church about their thoughts and about the way we ought to think. Ephesians, Philippians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians 4. He says this, verse 8. Finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure. That sounds like the list that Paul was telling Timothy to flee from, those things. Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, think or meditate on these things. In other words, these things can only be apprehended by changing the way we think think. you say, how do I change the way I think? You engage the Holy Spirit and you get proactive about what goes in and what goes out. And what does it say in Proverbs 23, 7? We ought to all know this as a man thinks, so is he. And so warfare wisdom for leaders, number three, is righteous living. You, hey, if you're living an unrighteous life, if you're having a battle in your brains about and, 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 and can't arrive to, arrive to some level of a good conscience in your life, listen, you're going to have a struggle with the enemy all the days of your life. How many of you know the, the things of the flesh are the open door for the devil? You see, the devil can't just come harass you without you giving him an invitation. And the way we give him invitation is by uncrucified flesh. Okay? So warfare wisdom, we need to deal with these issues. And you see Paul with Timothy, you know, really hammering it home with him there and say, listen, you gotta, you gotta flee these things. You gotta pursue after righteousness, faith, love, and peace. You gotta get the way you think straight. You gotta get to a place of a good conscience. And it begins, and that word conscience means sound moral consciousness where you're, you've gotta, you, you've arrived at a place where the, the, The works of the flesh in your life are consistently being crucified and the things of God and the pursuit after God is consistently being magnified. Let me say that again. I thought that came out pretty good. That's not up there. That'd been a tweetable. We gotta come to the place in our life where the things of the flesh are consistently being crucified And the pursuit of things that are good and right are being magnified. You start magnifying your pursuit after the things of God, uh, you'll, you'll go a long way towards crucifying the things that are not good and holy and right. Amen? That's some warfare wisdom. Everybody say warfare wisdom. I got time for one more, and this is a biggie here. Number four, we need to position ourselves with a new priority in our life of proactive, purpose, purpose-filled purpose praying. Everyone say it, the priority of proactive, purpose-filled praying. Now, this is where the therefore comes in. This is really where Paul starts talking about Okay, I told you to wage the good warfare, therefore, you get it? Here's a biggie when it comes to warfare wisdom for, for leaders. It's the priority of a proactive, purpose-filled prayer life. Let me show it to you. Uh, let's, let me get back over to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Therefore, I exhort, everyone say exhort. That word could mean encourage. I encourage, first of all. Everyone say, first of all. There's the priority. In other words, in this spiritual warfare, this spiritual lifestyle, this is, um, let me just say, this is where I'm, I got convicted all over again. I'm the pastor and I'm getting convicted here because, because I don't, re- from this context, Paul's telling Timothy, let me tell you your first line of not just defense, but offense because we're going to see that praying is not defensive, it's offensive in nature. Uh, Your first line of offense when it becomes a storm in the gates of hell is is the priority of of a proactive, purpose-filled prayer life. Therefore, that's the priority, first of all. Supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. That's that's the the, the proactive nature. You know, uh, he's saying, "What's he saying?" He's saying the same thing in a number of different ways: supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks. Whatever you want to call it. it, it you you got you to gotta, you gotta take it all. Put it in a big pot and make it a top priority. you got to be proactive. And that's what he's saying here. You can't just be blessed, guide it, and hide it. Amen. You can't be now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. you got to step up to another level in your prayer life. Therefore, uh, first of all, Top priority, become proactive at the place of prayer, include supplications, prayers. And some of the, I don't know, I I didn't take a lot of times, but some of these like supplications could be translated requests, requests prayers, intercessions. They have a little different angle on prayer and, and, and then giving of thanks. How many of you know that's how you get into the presence of God? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He's just lumping it all in there. He said, you got to make all these things, all these avenues, all these methodologies and these elements of prayer top priority in your life. And you got to be proactive. You can't just, you, it can't just be haphazard. Your prayer life, hey, uh, hey, hey, warfare wisdom for leaders. You can't be haphazard at the place of prayer you've got to be strategic, you've got to be proactive and you've got to pray with a sense of purpose. Let me show you the purpose for this is good verse three says in the an acceptable in the sight of God brings God pleasure no no let me just say this if this could this is not in your notes, but part of the purpose I want to please God. I want to have a life that pleases god and if if a proactive prioritize life of prayer pleases God then bless God I'm going to reprioritize my life because I want to live a life that pleases Him uh, and this is good and acceptable in the sight of God and here's really the, 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 the earthly if you will there's a heavenly uh, purpose that is to please God but there's an earthly purpose and here it is He desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth in other words the focus of our prayer life is not just to get the monkey off our back but it's to fulfill God kingdom purpose in the earth. In other words, the priority of our prayer, in fact, this is a part of of Sunday's message when it comes to the purpose of God. The priority and purpose of God has nothing to do with you. It has to do with people, people who don't know Christ. And Paul's, therefore, to Timothy in this thing called spiritual warfare, first of all, get your priorities straight. You better get proactive at the place of prayer because people's souls and lives are in the balance. Prayer is not just to keep you right with God, though it does. Prayer is to move things in the spirit realm. Prayer is to reorganize and restructure And to press back and to undermine the kingdoms of darkness to provide open opportunity for light and glory and gospel to be made manifest in the earth. That convicted me to the core today. I went, oh my gosh, OMG. Spend more time praying about give us this day our daily bread and we should... But Paul says now for you leaders, let me tell you, Timothy, where you need to focus, your. You're, you're a leader, you're in the people business, man, and you need to step it up when it comes to your prayer because what God wants people to be born again and he equates effective evangelism here and effective uh, uh, spiritual uh, impact in the earth with with proactive, top priority praying. And if you studied the move of God in the earth, the history of moves of God, even in the last century, they are all pretty much undeniably linked to concerted, prioritized, proactive, purpose-filled praying. With that in mind, let me just throw you this out. I'll give you guys this. You know, we're, we're just a few weeks away from our elections. And October 10th, that's a Monday. October 10th is 30 days before November 6th, which is our presidential election. And I'm gonna, we're going to roll out in some, for, for, some form Some organized, prioritized, proactive, purpose-filled praying over our nation. Not just for the right person to be in place. Let me tell you something. How many of you know God can use ungodly leaders to accomplish His kingdom purposes? God doesn't look down from heaven and say, OMG, so-and-so got elected president. What in the world are we going to do? How many of you know, many times where evil abounds, grace doth much more abound. So we need to understand that concept. But we're, gonna, we're going to, and I'm going to endeavor to lead us, and I'm going to endeavor myself to step it up to another level of proactive, purpose-filled praying. I wonder what it'd be like if, if we could rally together for 30 days a commitment from many in our church family that every day we would pray not only for our nation but that God would cause people's hearts to turn towards Him. That the darkness that the light of God would overwhelm the darkness in Southeast Texas. Pastor Ron, I heard him say this the other day in a context I can't remember. He said, he said, every, every week at staff meeting, we pray together and we ask God to speak to people and to cause them to, to, to hear the voice of God that says, come to Church on the Rock and, and, and be born again. He said that he's engaging his people with strategic, proactive, purpose-filled praying that people would be born again. They would be strangely moved by the Holy Ghost to find themselves in their church services, seeking after something and finding Christ. That's some warfare wisdom right there. How many of you can say in your life you you can trace back your spiritual conversion and your spiritual... really transformation to someone who prayed for you anybody you got people praying for you and I can I know people I can call their names my mom for one she prayed for us amen so that's some warfare wisdom and as I said we we war in prayer not simply to keep the demonic monkeys off our back we war in prayer for the souls of men and women around the world who are lost and without Christ. And as leaders, let me close with this thought. People of influence, that's us. We must become the kind of church that storms the gates of hell and partners with the Spirit of the Lord to bring liberty to those who are bound. You remember what Jesus said? I referenced it. He said, the church that I build will be built on the revelation of who Jesus is and the gates of hell will not prevail against that church we know that gates are defensive in nature that means the church should never be on the defense it always should be on the offense and live a life of spiritual warfare in the heavenlies consistently battling consistently winning that's warfare wisdom for leaders. That's where we need to step it up. And as your pastor, let's just give it a shot right now. Let's take these cards. Take it. This represents a lost person or a person that is without Christ. Lord, tonight, we're beginning to embrace. Lord, Lord, warfare wisdom about our lives that we're not just here to fight sporadic spiritual skirmishes but we're always should be on guard and proactive and pressing forward in victorious authority over the powers of darkness so therefore we pray for people who are lost we pull down the strongholds that have them bound the spiritual blinders in their eyes, Lord. Some of them are blind to the truth. They're, they've been blinded by the things of this world. And they're, they're living in darkness to, until now. And Lord, we come today right here, Lord, in the, in the sanctuary of Church on the Rock North. We come together and these little cards we hold up representing people. And, and especially, potentially one person or one family that you bring into our contact into our our, uh, view and into our lives, Lord, this week, who are lost and need you. We pray for them, and we pray for divine opportunities, Lord, to be able to speak the word of the Lord into their life, Lord, and to be able to uh, uh, cause the light of God, to cause the darkness to flee. We pray for liberty in people's lives, freedom from the darkness and the destruction of the enemy. For We know he comes to steal, kill and destroy But you've come that we might have Life and have it more abundantly And so we pray this week Lord God That the light would begin to shine And Lord people's in our lives and through Our lives and people's lives would be Transformed Lord there are people And families around us right now Who Lord you you are ready to move Upon them we pray you would send Ambassadors from our church from the North, South, East and West to these people's Lives their front doors their, Their situations and shine the light of the glorious gospel into their heart. Lord we pray for men women, children teenagers, young people to be born again and to be saved here in southeast Texas we war in the heavenlies over their lives. We bind every demon and devil in hell that's trying to steal kill and destroy in Jesus name everybody said amen